I'm not even supposed to be here today. I took, I, I, I literally put in vacation days, and then two days after they were approved, uh, the Senate president says, hey, we're coming back. And then uh, the House Speaker says, hey, we're coming back. Uh, so as a, a reporter, uh, that means I'm on the ground. I got I to gotta be there. So I rescinded my vacation days. And they were supposed to come back to deal with energy legislation. That didn't happen. Uh, to join us to talk about what had happened at the State House this week, State Representative Tim Butler on the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop. Representative, thanks for taking time this morning. How are you? Uh, don't take umbrage with the fact that you have to be here today. <laughs> we will not hornswoggle you into anything. <laughs> Uh, now and you're getting now all, you're getting persnickety. All, all the right. scallywags at the at the Capitol were back this week, so there you go. I got it all in there. <laughs> That's good. Uh, all right. So uh, what did happen at the Capitol? I mean, we we were supposed to hear well, about energy legislation, yeah, the, and you know the the reason we came back in into session this week was supposed to be for the energy legislation, which uh, obviously did not come together for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is I think. The folks from uh, CWLP and Prairie Generating down in Southern Illinois spoke up loudly, and the unions, especially, uh, and 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 some of my Democratic colleagues too, stepped forward to say, "Hey, you know, we need to take care of these facilities." And so uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. But that was kind of the reason we were supposed to come back. But I think what we what we found out uh, after we got called back was that the Democrats screwed up the budget. Uh, didn't have the proper effective dates in there when it passed. So they had to come back and fix this budget that they passed in the middle of the night where literally we had no time to look at it. And then they cut off debate on the budget in the House. Tom Demmer was the only person they cut him off. We spent more time debating Capital Township, like like wow. four times the amount of time debating Capital Township than we did on the budget this year when it was passed a, a couple weeks ago. So we had to come back and fix that. Um, and or the Democrats had to fix that because they they screwed it up. Well, uh, the governor issued an amendatory veto. veto. I had to mandatory veto it. So the so the the House and the Senate could agree to his amendatory veto. And I can't tell you, um, I don't know if we'd agree to any amendatory veto since I've been in the General Assembly oh. in six years. If we have, it's only been maybe one or two. Uh, so that's a rare occurrence uh, for for that to happen. But it, but it was just a Scrivener's error, they say. I mean, it was just you know, just yeah. a minor thing. Yeah. You know, nothing you know, to see here. The the real the real fact of the matter is the Democrats in the House pushed for this pay increase for legislators to get it in the to get it in the budget, and they had to rejigger the 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 budget the the bill that came over from the Senate to get the pay raise in there that they want, uh, and that's what screwed it up. They they forgot some of the effective dates that were supposed to be in there when they uh, when when the Democrats put it together, and that's and that's how that's how it got screwed up. Very honestly. <laughs> And the, the lack of oversight, um, because, you know, as a, as a reporter, I mean, they had a hearing on the budget, but apparently uh, that hearing that happened just hours before it ultimately went to the floor, the budget changed again. Right. Right. I mean, right. they amended and that it again. Happens, that's the frustrating thing that happens all the time. You have a hearing on a piece of legislation um, and then and then right before it comes up for a vote on the floor and these big, massive pieces of legislation. Not $42 like a, billion. Dollars, <laughs> how many pages was it? I don't know. A thousand. 3,000, 3, right. Yeah. Um, I get confused between these, you know, hundreds and thousands of pages bills that they drop on us at the last minute. You know, I mean, the same thing happened with redistricting. You know, they they rolled it out, you know, the middle of the night. We voted on it that day. Uh, the, the same thing was probably going to happen on an energy bill where the, the final language would, would come through right before. You know, that kind of stuff that that drives me crazy as a legislator, legislator. And it should drive the public crazy that, that that's how your legislature operates. It shouldn't it shouldn't be that way. We should have time to review these pieces of legislation because there are mistakes. 
mistakes that get made. When you have a 3,000-page bill, of course there's going to be mistakes in there if you rush it through at the last minute. We're talking with State Representative Tim Butler here on the WMAY Morning News Feed, getting a review of sorts of uh, the past week of session. Uh, the Senate was in on Tuesday one day. The House was in on Wednesday one day. Um, and even though you guys didn't take up energy legislation, there were still a whole bunch of other stuff uh, that you guys tackled yesterday, uh, including that amendatory veto uh, that uh, the Senate uh, concurred on Tuesday and uh, the House ultimately concurred on Wednesday. But there was an interesting happening to allow for that to even take place because there would there needed to be three fifths vote right uh, in the chamber. It needed seventy one votes to to for the budget correction, um, and because we're past the May thirty first deadline and, and it would be immediate effective date is what they were changing it to. Uh, it takes it takes seventy one votes instead of the usual simple majority, which is sixty, to get it passed. Right. So the speaker uh, proposed a rule change. Um, and the rule change dealt with allowing for remote voting. Uh, Representative, we're in phase five of COVID-19. The numbers of COVID positive cases, I mean, they're not even putting out daily media reports from IDPH about COVID-19 numbers anymore. Uh, So, why why the change all of a sudden well i think the, to to allow for remote voting yeah they so they changed the the house rules yesterday yesterday changed the house rules uh to allow for people who are not at the chamber not in springfield to vote on legislation on the floor of the house of representatives and this is a in my opinion a massive change something we've never done in 203 year history of of the house of representatives made this change yesterday for one reason and one reason only because they knew they weren't going to have enough votes to pass that budget they needed to fix they knew that all their members you know they have 73 democrats they had there was no republicans that were going to support it so they're going to they'd have to phone people in from wherever they're at to, to help this out. So they changed the House rules to make it happen. Now, the, the rule that was passed yesterday, amended, uh, says it will only be in effect between now and veto session in the fall, which is in October. But still, I mean, this is, and I said this yesterday in the debate, we're, we're not we're not worried about a slippery slope now. We're sliding down that slippery slope when it comes to allowing people to not have to attend what their job is, what they get elected to do, to show up here in Springfield at the state capitol in general assembly and come together to make the laws of the state of Illinois. The Senate has allowed it this spring. Uh, Senator Bailey, as everybody saw, <laughs> phoned it in from a helicopter. Unbelievable. You know, which, and, and, you know, Leader Harris brought that up during the debate yesterday. I told him that's wrong, too. I don't care if Republican or Democrat. It's wrong. And, you know, I'm going to defend, you know, I'm I'm a traditionalist when it comes to this. I understand in today's day and age with Zoom, everybody's more used to it. We've had committee hearings all spring with Zoom, which have worked out okay. But but both sides of the aisle will admit it's not the great way to, to, to do it. Uh, and certainly, you know, your job as a legislator, your number one job as a legislator is to show up and push those buttons to vote on the legislation that is before you. And people could can now literally sit on the beach if they're on vacation. And so, oh, hey, I'm going to phone it. I'm going to zoom it in. And that's I, I think that's completely wrong. So um, when you guys do come back, because Senate President Don Harmon said it could be this summer to deal with uh, an energy uh, package, uh, you guys will still be allowed to have remote voting in the House? That's the, the rule change said between between now and when we're in veto session for this year. Which, which is, is November? Which is third week of October. They, oh, the okay. schedule came out yesterday. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, if we come back for energy legislation, if we come back for any changes whatsoever, if we come back for, I think, will happen after the census numbers come out in August, the congressional maps 
uh, which have not been which not have been done yet. You could have you could have literally half of the Democratic caucus probably not showing up and just zooming in to do it. And it and you saw I mean, I'm sure most of your listeners didn't see it or, or tune in yesterday, but the technical issues oh, yeah, with it, was, it yeah, were it great, bad. especially yeah. in the beginning. Uh, and then and then we had one member, one member of, of the Democratic Party who was there in person. And then left and zoomed in from his car, which honestly, we have a law that says you can't use right. those devices from devices. your car. Right. Exactly right. You and know, I've seen that just... as well in the Senate uh, during some committees. There were uh, senators who were visibly in their car with yep. the seatbelt on. You could hear the the whooshing of the car noise behind them. Uh, and uh, they, they were participating remotely uh, in those hearings. Uh, but I, I just got to interject here when it comes to, you know, these these Zoom type of, uh, uh, you know, news conferences and whatnot. As a journalist, that's not conducive. Uh it's it's difficult to not just ask a question that way, but it's also impossible to do proper follow ups, uh, and uh, I think that that does a disservice to. It's, it's true, and we've and we've done a fair amount of those Zoom press conferences. I participate sure. in, but you're right. I mean, it, it's not the same interaction, uh, and, and I hope that we get away from those. They do make it easier in tr- pulling things together in a, in a quick manner sure. to get stuff out. But you're right when when you have to text your question to our press person who then asks it to us, it's it's definitely not the same dynamic, and I, and I hope we do get away from them. We're talking with State Representative Tim Butler here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Uh, so, uh, you know, the remote voting happened, uh, the amendatory veto concurrence happened, uh, you also had this uh, firearm owner identification card uh, update, consolidation with the CCL. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things with that particular bill, but I think one of the big sticking points was the issue of fingerprints. This would make it um, voluntary. Do you really think this is going to help cut down on the backlog of the FOID cards? I, I don't think it's going to help, uh, especially in the near term, cut down on, on the FOID card delays that we have. Uh, that was kind of the pretense for this um, legislation, that it would help uh, the state police, uh, you know, expedite a, a lot of the problems that are happening. But at the end of the day, look, I mean, I mean, uh, you know, m- more resources are needed with the state police and they, and, you know, and they need to just own up to it and get to get this stuff done to get to get people's FOID cards their CCL on. There's there's parts of this legislation that, that that I don't mind. I mean, combining a CCL and a FOID card, I think, is a smart idea. Some of this other stuff. But at the end of the day, for me, uh, I don't care if it's voluntary or, or you know, because I think it eventually, talk about slippery slopes, it, it starts off voluntary and all of a sudden becomes mandatory. Giving your fingerprint to exercise a constitutional right is a real infringement in my mind. And I, I, I have a huge problem with that. And that's, that's the number one reason I voted against this legislation is that I don't believe you should have to, you don't have to give your, your fingerprint to, to cover a press conference. You might have to spit into a cup to, to get your COVID test. Which, full disclosure, I have not. I did not comply with that. But, you know, I mean, I mean you, don't, you don't have to get fingerprinted to go to church. You don't have to get fingerprinted to exercise any of your constitutional rights, except now we're we're now saying, all right, in Illinois, if you want to expedite your your process or maybe get renewed in ten years without uh, an automatic renewal, potentially you can you can get fingerprinted and have that happen. I, I just think that's wrong. There's another aspect of this um, that uh, the the sponsor in the house uh, had to correct himself, and it dealt with the um, uh, FOID card status database. Uh, at first, he said that was going to be open to the public. Yeah. And when I was listening, to that, I'm like, holy yeah. cow, the implications there, you know, because people would be able to. But he, he reversed and said, no, I, he was mistaken on that. I believe the public database is more for stolen guns. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there is going to be a database. <clears throat> 
for law enforcement agencies to be able to access uh, to get status of an individual's FOID card. Uh, sounds good in practice, right? But, I mean, how many data breaches have we seen look, look, uh, look, across look, the look, country and in the state? with unemployment benefits and the fraud because of data breaches that have happened over the years that combined uh, with with you know the the extended benefits that we had it's like it was like this perfect storm for fraud and and i can't imagine you know the breaches that will happen in a database when it comes to someone's um you know, personal information if they if they own a firearm and stuff like that. And I just and this is why a lot of us have been really opposed to databases for again, this is a constitutional right. You may agree or disagree with the with the Second Amendment, but you cannot deny the fact that it is a constitutional right enshrined for <laughs> two hundred and you know, however many years it's been since the Constitution, since you know the late seventeen eighties when the when the Constitution was was written, and you know I think that's that's at the end of the day. I mean, I mean we have to respect our constitutional rights, and and they they they're getting chipped away and chipped away and chipped away, and that's I, I just have huge problems with with that kind of stuff. Representative Butler here with us on the WMAY Morning News Feed. Finally, here um, it's been more than a year. Uh, IDES offices are still closed, but the State Fair Grandstand is open for in-person ticket sales representative <laughs> it's you know the, the capitals back open um the the public will be allowed back in the capital as you said the grand you know we're selling tickets for the grandstand you know look the governor needs to get state employees back to work they need to I, i've had so many legislators approach me this spring talking about how dead downtown springfield is and i'll say you need to talk to the governor and make sure that we get state employees back to work i look i understand the safety issues of covid and why this all but we need people down back in our business area we need the ids employees in person to help deal with the situation at hand secretary of state has had their driver services facilities open for a long time um you know there's there's other state facilities that are open no problem there's no reason why we can't just just pull it back, get state employees back to work at their desks, and certainly IDES needs to needs to open up fully uh, and stop hiding behind any excuses that they're doing. They just need to open up. They absolutely do. Well, and you guys passed a resolution. It was nearly unanimous. I think uh, Representative Will Davis was the only one that voted present yep. uh, on a resolution to urge the reopening. Is that toothless? Well, a, a resolution is toothless. It doesn't have the force of law, but it certainly ex- expresses the frustration and the sense in a broad bipartisan manner that the legislature has with the executive branch over his dealings with with IDS. It's wrong. I mean, this, these are these are public entities, pa- taxpayer funded entities that need to be open to help the taxpayers. That's what. That's why we need to have it open. And look, we we're taking we're taking you know the the barriers down. Like you know, we don't have these you know plastic barriers up for things anymore obviously covid has we're, we're in a really good place now we've gone to phase five and it, i mean i don't know why why the excuses still need to be there why ID isn't open ides isn't open he needs to he needs to open them up today well uh representative i imagine we're going to talk more about ides in the future uh so we'll uh, save that for another time greatly appreciate you joining me in studio Absolutely. again uh have a great day weekend and uh we'll see Hope you get some days off now <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Definitely going to enjoy the weekend uh, just unplugging. So, Um, State Representative Tim Butler, uh, again, thanks a bunch, and we'll talk soon.